Yeah, welcome once again to Swing Thoughts, the radio show. Happy to be part of the Bell Radio family on TSN 1150 Hamilton, and now for four years, uh, one of the top-rated uh, mental performance uh, golf podcasts hosted by uh, Tim and I. <laughs> that's that's our claim to fame. We no one's doing a better podcast hosted by you and me. Um, the finest podcast of its kind. Exactly. Uh, my name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Heard on the uh, Bell uh, Radio Network as well as HumbleandFredRadio.com. Tim O'Connor, uh, author of uh, many fine books, uh, The Feeling of Greatness. And uh, daily you can uh, find out what's going on with Tim at O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, as always, uh, this season, man, oh man, how exciting to be once again associated with TaylorMade. And the all-new Sim Max and Sim Max OS Irons Distance. You have to feel to believe. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the uh, V steel sole and multi-material construction. And I got to witness uh, in person the O'Connor uh, Sim driver in action. And uh, it's something to behold, my friends. I've seen it. And now you can have it too. Go to TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Okay, I got a lot of screens open, so I wanted to make sure I got that done. And uh, with us is, uh, I think you, you called it, one of the friend of show Hall of Famers, someone that we were so lucky to connect with four years ago. Uh, Tim's also taken uh, the Mind Factor uh, certification course. We're going to talk about that later. But from Mind Factor and uh, in the UK, someone that's worked with tour players and coaches for many, many years, one of the finest, Carl Morris, Dr. Carl Morris is with us sir welcome to the show thanks Howard thanks Tim great great to be back I feel uh, almost like an adopted Canadian now well it's not a bad thing to be my friend (laughs) have you seen the thing around listen if you're going to be anything in North America this is where you want to be I was going to say if I'm going to escape to anywhere in the world I uh, probably probably go to Canada we appreciate you coming back on the show (laughs) lots safer if you do the Maid of the Mist tour of Niagara Falls, I'm not sure if you saw that, Howard. Oh, yeah, I saw the uh, shot. Like 230 Americans all bundled together, and then no. there's six Canadians no, on I know. this big honking boat. We're, if anything, but prudent. Uh, well, let's get right to golf, because this show is running on the weekend, and I know a lot of golfers listen on their way to the golf course or after a round. And maybe we can just, for you that are that are new to the show, especially the radio audience, Carl Morris has worked with a lot of top players. Uh, Tim and I have been lucky enough to have you know, some private chats with Carl about the way of the world, the way that golf is. But let's get started. Just kind of an overview of some of the things that, that you've learned. Carl's got a couple of books that really uh, we both have read and loved, The uh, Lost Art of uh, Putting, The Lost Art of Playing Golf. What are some of the things that, and we sort of touched on them just before we started recording, but some of the things that are barriers for amateur golfers uh, between the way they practice and the way they play. I know you've thought a lot about this. So let's start there. Yeah. I think for me, Howard, it's it's what golfers keep getting sold and it's still sold is the is the, the, the C word. You know, the idea that you, you're trying to build a consistent golf swing. You know, you're looking for consistency. Well, 
if there's, if there's anything I know from sort of 30 years of being involved in coaching is that consistency just doesn't exist. You know, you, from the, ber- the very best players in the world, you look at the variation in the scores, you know, it's very rare, even at the top level, if somebody shoots 63, they generally don't follow it with another 63. So I think, I think the idea that golf is consistent although it constantly keeps being being sold as such. You know, in the, in the last few years, I've, I've really, really looked at what I call developing the skill of adaptability. You know, we, we were touching on it before we, we came on air, that the, the idea that how, how can you adapt to whatever you have today? Because, you know, the, the problem is that the swing feelings that you had yesterday, the way you were yesterday, the golf course yesterday, the conditions yesterday were all yesterday, and today it's completely different. And you know, if you if you're hoping to drag what you had yesterday with you, good luck. However, if you if you've got a little bit more of an open mind to ask, you know, maybe the most important question I think a golfer can ask when they go to play golf is, what have I got today? And what have I got today might feel a bit ugly at times. It might feel a bit uncomfortable, but I'm I'm convinced with the right approach that you can actually get the job done, and then. You know, it's something I know we've touched on on previous shows. I think there's a tremendous satisfaction if you can go and play golf and you know you're not at your best, but you've not, not at your best swing wise, but you've managed yourself really well. You've made good decisions. You've, you've, you know, you've took the right options on the golf course. You've not been trying to hit a draw when you've got a fade going, all those kind of things that mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get into. I think, it, I think there's a real, real tremendous satisfaction of getting the best out of yourself when you've, when you've not got your A game. 100 percent i've i've dealt with that personally in the last couple of weeks i've i've shifted from a mindset actually with howard's help he's been my coach on course coach on managing my game and working with what i've got and so many times i've gone to the golf course because i've traditionally hit a draw and now i've started to go okay well I got this fade happening today. So let's go with that as opposed to trying to meet this model of supposed perfection. And that's so freeing. It is, Tim. And, I, you know, I think a, a great one to do when you, when you get to the golf course, you know, most people will, will warm, well, hopefully they'll warm up. But I think what they're tending to do when they warm up is, as you say, I hit a draw. So you're searching for that draw. And for whatever reason, on any particular day, that might not be there where one of my suggestions would be is is, is hit 10, 15 balls to, to warm up and, and don't try and fix anything. Don't try and do anything. Just just swing the golf club and notice what's coming out. Yeah, and if you're hitting your standard draw and you've got it under control, great. But if, if all of a sudden you're squeezing a bit of a fade out there and that seems to be what's coming out, don't panic. That's that's what you've got today. And, you know, you can you, you can shoot low numbers with, with not your regular shot pattern. But I think... It's such, as you say, it's such a liberating thing to go in there and, and explore what you have today, rather than trying to hang on to what you had yesterday. You know, I I spent a lot of time talking about it on this show, but I've spent a good part of my life. You know, I I don't know I if I could have tried any harder. I don't know I, I've availed myself of every coach I've been in the McLean school the Pell school led better I've had lessons from Sean Foley I've had many many Mark Evershed lots of people 
And I had this idea that if I could just make my golf swing better or perfect, then golf would be easy. But the joke of it is that's not what golf wants from you because standing on a range hitting perfect seven irons, 165 yards to a target in a, you know, in a static environment. And Carl was one of the first people we talked to, Tim, four years ago that talked a lot about the experience of the driving range versus the golfing field of play as you call it and you know a lot of people have had this debate why the longest walk in golf is from the range to the first tee and i think it was carl who who gave us this idea of that because that first it's the first shot of consequence so when you're practicing on this artificial thing that has nothing to do with the game you're really practicing the wrong thing and that's the thing i said to you there's a big difference between practicing golf swing and practicing golf and, and not enough of us practice the game. We're just caught up in this paradigm of perfection. By the way, as I finish this diatribe up, that's what leads to frustration. I think, you know, an area of interest for me the last few years, um, Howard, Tim, is, is being and getting a chance to get some guys on my podcast who are social psychologists, people like John Barge from Yale, is that I, I really didn't ever fully understand how much human beings respond to an environment. You know, the, the, the obvious things would be, you know, some of the crazy things that you people see people do. At a, at a football game or a soccer game, and 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 then you know you put them you put them in a in a library, and obviously they got, and that's a ridiculous extreme. You put them in a library, and they'll be, they'll respond very very differently. So we are at an unconscious level very very attuned to responding to an environment, and then you get into the whole area with golf that maybe we are the only sport in sports that practices it practices our game in an environment that bears no resemblance whatsoever to the real thing so you know i think we're, we've all been setting ourselves up for some challenges with that what a point i would want to make with this though and you mentioned some great coaches there i don't think we've i think we've got to be careful we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and we sort of say well oh it's nothing to do with the swing you just got to think good and you'll put you know I think one one great line that you could take where you can really work well with a coach and really gain a, an, an awful lot is if you start from the standpoint, if you've been playing for a couple of years, it's just to ask yourself the question, what are my tendencies? I think that's a very, very important thing for a golfer to understand. What are my tendencies? And, and I think a really good coach can, can help you with your tendencies. You, you know, that I've worked with Graham McDowell for 20-odd years. Graham McDowell grips it strong. He's shut at the top. So he has certain tendencies. But as great, because he's a great player, he knows what those tendencies are and he can manage them. He doesn't mean that he's, he's standing there and trying to grip it weak and, you know, cup his left wrist at the top. He, he understands his game and he can manage his tendencies. But I think that's a great frame to work with a coach on, and I don't think enough exploration is done in that direction. No, I'm not going to... I'm not... I don't want to debate you on that. I'm not saying you shouldn't work on your golf swing at times, but after a certain amount of time, you know, like we all hear people, and, and I'm my friend Tim, you know, a few weeks ago said to me, I'm really committed to working on moving my torso faster through the golf swing. I go, that's great, but that's not 
going to translate to lower scores. Uh, I'm not talking about beginners listening now. I'm talking about people that have played the game enough. To, and to your point about tendencies, that we just invest so much in, you know, learning. And I, I'm the worst. I'm No one was worse at this than me, of trying to get my right shoulder to externally rotate and stay there as I started my back, or as my downswing, thinking that would somehow get me to a plus one. It won't. Um, all I'm saying is that, you know, there's the, your, the paradigm of coaching that we're talking about is to lower your scores without really doing too much to your golf swing. Absolutely. But to become more engaged in the environment and what the environment... Because one of the things you said is you ask, what's the shot here? Mm. What's the shot that is coming up now for me? Not what am I doing with my backswing? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, I was kind of making that point about if you are going to work with a coach, tendencies is an area to look at. But definitely, if if your goal is is to... score lower, reduce your handicap, get on tour, stay on tour, win tournaments or whatever. It, it, it is far more about the art of playing the game than the, than the, than the science of the, of the golf swing. And it's interesting, you know, there's a few guys that I've had on my podcast recently, you know, um, Colin Marakawa's coach, Rick, Rick Sessinghouse, Randy Joyner, a couple of other guys from America. And we've talked recently about how they, they, they are, as coaches, spending so much more time on the golf course with, with the students and we kind of were laughing with you know what a revolutionary idea that a golf coach was <laughs> what <laughs> what you know can you imagine a Scottish pro you know a hundred years ago and they've got a crystal ball and they were looking these guys in the in the 2020s think they're really clever because they're getting out on the golf course again yeah, that's that's really cool. Well, I'm going to speak to you again my experience with Coach Howard, uh, golf spiritual leader, of course, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were working on that. In essence, my tendency. So every once in a while, I hit this left shot, and my irons predominantly right to left. So what we were working on, particularly pins cut center to to the left side, was just right side of the green. And so I've hit a good shot. I'm 20 feet away for birdie. If I had a, if I had a bad shot, I'm two feet away for birdie. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I went out, Tim and I went out, Carl, uh, the couple days before his club championship. We just played nine holes together, and I said, you know, let me caddy for you a little bit. Let me, let's just decide on every shot where we're trying to hit it. And even that, you know, for a lot of higher handicap players, they say things like, well, it's easy for you because you can hit your ball there. I go, well, you can do, you can at least have an intention. Rotella said that years ago. If you can't tell somebody, you know, what target you're trying to hit, how do you, how are you, how are you going to get your body to go to that target? And in nine holes, we just kept Tim on the golf course because Tim can hit it. Torso aside, Tim's got a really, a really good golf swing. And he he just plotted around, and then really, that's the thing I would take away for most people is it's it's not you know we've said this for years in the world of golf it's not how good your good shots are, but it really is about a lot of okay shots, just I a just bunch of them. Well, I have a client who says he slices the ball always. I says, well, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> you know where your ball's going to yeah. go. Play with that, for God's sakes. Instead of, oh, Nirvana for him would be trying to hit this draw. And I just think it makes, there's this, just, we've talked about it over and over again, Carl, on this, this 
this paradigm of golf in terms of we must meet this model and that <clears throat> hitting the ball right to left for a right-hander would be nirvana mm-hmm. as opposed to coming to the golf course and playing with what you've got adapting to what you brought to the course that day and particularly adapting to what the golf course presents you which almost seems radical i think that's such a great point tim because you know for me as we've got deeper and deeper certainly the coaching industry's got deeper and deeper into technique and there's so much stuff available on youtube and there's so much information out there now i, I certainly i see it when i when i go out with even very good players is that we're becoming almost anesthetized to what the golf course is asking of us and and i and i think you know you're great great players you 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 nicholas's you your woods and and all these top players you know they're so tuned into the golf course they're so tuned into the you know a golf course will ask you a question on every single hole that you ever play but if you're not if you're not if you're not looking at the question how can you come up with the answers and i think you know again looking at this as an idea that you go to the golf course more with what have I got today and can I find a way and, and you mentioned the guy with the slice you know that, that people don't realize if you can stand there and just even if it's even if you're drifting it quite a bit if you know that that thing's going left to right 90% of the time you could you could shoot ridiculously low scores with yeah. just that alone the problem is is the guy who moves it a little bit left to right and then he's got as you'd say Tim this nirvana of trying to hit a draw and he's trying to make moves to hit a draw on the golf course when all he's got is a fade going that's that's when you're in for big numbers well, and part of the reason you're in for big numbers there is back to what you just said the sentence before. The golf course on every shot is asking you a question. And I always think about you and the idea of you asking yourself good questions. And that's what good players do. And a lot of that a lot of the good questions one asks himself is what shot am I being required to hit here? And if I'm in the trees, the, the, the question I'm being asked is, can you get it back to safety? I'm not being asked to thread it through some trees that are, you know, I, that, that's where most of us get in trouble because our ego starts to become to the guy who hits it left to right. We're all going great, but he wants to hit a draw. And that's his ego saying, well, all my friends hit draws. But really, as you said, you could shoot super low low or low for a uh, uh, handicap player um, just playing your just playing your ball yeah absolutely just just that that very question Howard it sounds ridiculously simple I have a guy who, who comes to see me he lives in Northern Ireland and we we get on you know we're good friends now and we get on well and we you know we wind each other up which is which is like <laughs> when you get to that point you've reached a good relationship in the coaching and he and he said a couple a couple of weeks ago he said you know what it, it took me he said probably four years of coming over to really understand how important the question what's the shot is yeah what is the shot what is the shot here it sounds beyond simple it sounds so obvious but it's you know i think it was moshe feldenkrais said the elusive obvious it's it's just profoundly profoundly important to ask that question i was i was reminded of that with uh, i had a coaching session with uh, ed collin uh, our, our friend Dr. Ed on the show yeah, and you've yeah. done work with him yeah. and he reminded me of be concerned with what's out there Tim yeah. as opposed to what happens for a lot of golfers is we're we're internally focused how do I move this body part how do I make this perfect swing 
And your work, the work of Dr. Ed and Gabriel Wolf says that when we respond to what's out there, our body goes, okay, I can do this. Again, Tim, you know, you get into sort of really interesting scientific area and Gabrielle spent, what, 25, 30 years proving external focus is is better for for most people. But then you look a little bit deeper and you look at, uh, you know, dynamic systems theory and self-organization and all those fancy words when you and you look at us as human beings we've we've evolved uh, and we've managed to survive so far as a result of we, our body will organize movement around a clear intention so when we had to secure our lunch every day we would throw implements to secure that lunch at, <laughs> And thank God we we didn't have video in those days. <laughs> right. Or track That's band. right. Or I was going to say, someone come back from trying to hunt the buffalo and go, I'm, I don't know, am I, am I taking the spear back far enough? Because I know, think... smash factor isn't yeah. quite what it could be. I'm not releasing the spear like I did yesterday for some reason, and now we're starving. You're, you're externally rotating your right elbow <laughs> instead of internally That's rotating right. as you release the spear. That's right. I just got bitten by an animal. But it's really my back spear. You know, uh, the Mind Factor, I want everyone to go to uh, this website. It's very interesting. It's uh, themindfactor.net. Carl mentioned his podcast, which I've listened to from time to time. Smart guy. Uh, I believe I heard you. I think it was Hebron that you had on, who I'm such a a huge fan of. Uh, That whole idea of play golf to learn golf. And I'll tell you, I've even read the book. We've spoken to Michael, and I still didn't really get it until this last couple of years. I really didn't. As you said, it was right in front of me, but I I would just drift away from it. I'd go, I got to see my... Is this looking good? Like, seriously, I spent so much time not doing what I what I needed to, to do to play the game better, thinking that was the pathway, and, and we know now it's not. Howard, you and I have been talking about that. I've had the same experience. I've, I've been coaching people in this performance space for... for you know, six, seven years now. And I fall prey to that stuff that Howard was just talking about is, is going back into the minutia of, I need to do, you know, insert tab A into slot B golf swing. Yeah. But when I'm actually playing golf, that's what the game's about is, is being out there on the course. And it's, so I guess what I'm speaking to is how it's very easy to fall back into yes. behaviors and patterns, which are, in essence, in our blind spots. So what's your experience with that, with that kind of recurring behaviors and patterns, Carl? Yeah, I think, again, it comes back to the environment, Tim, doesn't it? You know, that, that all around us, there's so much information that every time somebody hits a bad shot on, on, a, on a broadcast on, on TV, the, the general, general, well, not the general, the only way that a bad shot is analysed is that the golf swing must have changed. That's the, only, that's the only answer that they give to why somebody hits a bad shot, you know, that dropped it on the inside, came over it, flipped it, whatever phrase it tends to be. Uh, and, we, you know, we don't maybe look at what happened on the last green. Did he three-put the last green? Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe, uh, and this is where it, 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 I, I just get so frustrated because... Wouldn't it be great if we could actually say to people, well, Tiger's hit it sideways right here on this hole, or Ernie, or Fred, or whoever it may be. They've hit it sideways right on on Friday afternoon. But actually, if we look at it yesterday, 
what they what they did is they knocked it out of bounds left. So actually, what the brain is doing on Friday is reacting to a shot that happened on on Thursday, and then we open up an interesting debate about environment again, about how environment triggers certain feelings. You know, an interesting exploration for even guys who play the same same course week in week out, and you can do it in your head. Is, is to think to yourself, go go mentally through your whole golf course and ask you and ask yourself, how does every tee shot make you feel? Because I guarantee it won't be the same for 18 holes. You'll feel different on certain holes depending on your past history. Well, there's a there's a tremendous opportunity because, you know, when, when, when most golfers talk about consistency, the only consistency that they do have is that they keep repeating the same mistakes on the same holes. Um, you know what, Carl? We've got about 30 seconds left before we go to our radio break. Can you hang around for five or six more minutes when we come back? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to I explore this. I think it's really important because what you said about golfers at their home course, it's like the the definition of insanity is every time you get up there, it's a tough hole you, and you, it makes you feel weird and you hit the same crappy shot every time. And when we come back, we will have a couple of ideas for you around what you can do differently. Carl Morris is here from Mind Factor. Tim O'Connor from O'ConnorGolf.ca. And, of course, the Humble and Fred Show at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Good to be with you on TSN 1150, brought to you by TaylorMade. We'll be right back. And Harry doesn't mind if he doesn't make the scene. He's got a day. And welcome back from uh, our little break here. Great to be with you on the radio. Another great weekend. Another humid, hot summertime uh, golf season. It's just been like, feels like 40 here. It seems like for months. But uh, I'm not complaining, Tim, because, you know, we both know that at some point it'll be February again. That's exactly. We take that in February anytime. Uh, we take it in Manchester, too. For sure. Carl Morris is standing by. We're going to finish up our visit with uh, the Mind Factor uh, guru. Uh, this program brought to you by TaylorMade Performance Labs, Woodbridge and Oakville. Find out if you can get in there and uh, get fit for a change. Visit TaylorMadeFitting.ca to book the ultimate fitting experience. And for all other things, TaylorMade, obviously, go to TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Uh, continuing our conversation with Carl Morris, you brought up a great point, I thought, just before the break about you know, uh, golfers playing their home course and asking themselves the question about how do they feel on every tee? Because I, I think you're absolutely right. We all feel differently. And, and not just your home course. Wherever you're playing, there's always a hole or two that just doesn't quite fit. Yeah. It, it's a great exercise to do, Howard, you know, just to go through. You don't have to be actually on the golf course, but just get, a card, get your scorecard and go through and ask yourself the question, how does how does every hole on my course make me feel? And there'll be some you just feel right at home. You can see the shot. It suits your shape perfectly, but there'll probably be half a dozen maybe holes where it's not quite the same. And as you say, the consistency is that you keep doing the same thing and, and, and maybe messing that hole up. Well, 
the antidote to that is to sort of go, okay, well, what would make me feel a little bit more comfortable? And if it needs to be uh, a rescue off the tee, well, fine. If it needs to be, it could be that, you know, you keep playing safe with a, with a certain shot. And actually what you need to do is just stand up there and, and take driver. It, it, it's, it's very, very different for everybody. But I think just to explore something a little bit deeper, that we don't, you know, I call it the hidden influences, the hidden influence of what the golf course makes you feel on certain holes. And when you can sort of drill into that a little bit, you, you become a bit more of a detective of how things make you feel as an individual. And then you can have a plan of how to do things a little bit differently. And how good's that going to feel that if you, you've got your bogey hole on the course that you haven't parred for the last six weeks, but if you think about it differently and you come plan, you come armed with a different approach and you can stand there and make par, that feels tremendous. That's a little mini victory in itself but also to look at your golf course you know i i have 27 holes at my home course and you know there's a couple of holes the the number one two three and four handicap holes that you know sure i can par them but depending on the conditions sometimes i play them like a four and a half there's a a hole on uh leafield tim that's 452, you know, and on the fifth, it's the sixth hole, but I'm on the fifth tee. I can look back and see where that pin is. So if the blue pin is in the back of that green, it's now a 480 yard or a 75 yard par four for me. And if it's into the wind, I just say to myself, okay, get a drive in play, hit it to the front of that green because if you're if you're left and long, it's dead. And then if I get a par, that's great. But the worst I'm going to make there is five. And in the strokes gained or lost world, I'm good. But not enough people think like that. They see a par four, they go, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to make a four and do everything sort of backwards to seek because. Walking off with a seven isn't your job. Walking off with a soft bogey makes you feel good. You know what I'm talking about, Carl? Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminds me of um, the story Rudy Duran told me when I, I was Tiger's first coach. You know, when I met him out in China a couple of years ago, and I think we might have even touched on it last time. I thought it was genius that you know when when he was coaching Tiger at five, six, seven years of age, they they created Tiger Par. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was not that it was a par four, par three, par five. It was. It was where he was with his game at that time. And if it was a par seven, it was a par seven. But Tiger felt great when he made a birdie six. Yeah. So you know that's that's one of the greatest plays in the world as a as a, as a young man looking at the, being being taught to look at the golf course to to taught to look at the hole not just as a three four or a five. Okay, what do I need to do on this hole? What tools have I got? What 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 answers do I have to the questions that this hole is posing for me? Well, look at the memorial on the weekend, Tim. They played this golf tournament at Jack Nicklaus's course. It was insane tough. The scoring average from the best players on the planet was seven. So par is an arbitrary figure, even for the best players. That's what I was going to say. So much of it is just, yeah, it's arbitrary. and But it speaks to our our ego and wrestling with that. And, you know, particularly guys, I, I think that so many of them are caught, well, what are they going to think if I'm not hitting driver on a par four or a par five? And I think it takes a certain degree of maturity. Carl, what's your experience with what I just talked about? You can see it on the on with very good players, Tim. I think it's interesting. You, if you work with a um, you know, top player, generally an area that they can improve is the par five scoring average. And, and nine times out of ten, you'll see what will happen at the top level. 
they think that every par five they should hit a drive 350 yards and they should be going in with a six iron well that's not always the case you know and and sometimes the hole sets up so well it should be a three shotter even for a good player so a very very good player the best players in the world so yeah I, I think again it comes back to this curiosity curiosity of the golf course curiosity of what how can you look at it differently you know, I think we mentioned it last time we spoke. I love the idea, even on your home course, walk it backwards. Start on the 18th, do what Jack Nicholas did, and walk it backwards. Walk from the look at look from the green back to the fairway, and you'll see a completely different perspective. You know, Gary Nichol, who we wrote the co-wrote the book with, uh, the books with, he said that he he played North Berry possibly thousands of times in his life and, and we talked about it and he, and he walked it backwards with a client last year and he, and he ran me up and he said, Gary, I never realised how big those greens were. He'd never seen it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I think what I've coming to really learn and it's coming to me in, um, finally now is that elite players, professionals play a different game. I think that comes from attitude so much is that it's not about showing the world how good I am and identifying with it and what are people going to think of me am I going to be you know at the, at the in the newspapers when people read newspapers it's about being able to manage themselves and being good with them and just being okay with what they bring to the golf course as an individual and aligns with their own values and I think the jumping off point for that is the difference it's made in Rory McIlroy's game. He doesn't identify with himself as being a major winner or not. That's a jumble there, Carl. I don't know what you make of that. But. No, I was when you were, when you were bringing that point up to him. I was going to mention Rory, and then you then you said Rory because I've you know I've I've you know spent a little bit of time in his company in years gone by walking around practice rounds with Graham and Graham McDowell and seeing him develop into you know one of the best players in the world currently the best player in the world um, and you know if you listen to Rory speak now he, he's so much into the exploration of his golf game of what he needs to do with his golf game to get better and it's not about um, being world number one I don't think for him it's about seeing how good he can be as a, as a, as a golfer and the byproduct is that he, he just keeps winning you know he keeps winning loads of money and tournaments and is world number one for a period of time but um, it, it's, it's well worth anybody if you can get a chance to listen to Rory on a, on a podcast he's got an incredibly mature um, educated um, forensic mind to look at look at the game in, in, a, in, a, in a very refreshing way and he talked I heard him recently say that in, in lockdown when he was um, when he had to stop playing for a while when he came back and he got the opportunity he said he'd, he'd, he'd actually played more golf than he'd ever done he'd been out on the golf course I think he was playing with Shane Lowry in Florida or wherever it was and he said he, he, he said he just realised how much he loves being out on the golf course and mm-hmm. hitting shots you know, and, and he said, you know, to stand there with when you're playing with somebody like Shane, and you know you, you've got a few quid riding on it, and you drill a three iron into the last green, and and you know make a putt that's worth a thousand shots on the range. Exactly. And, and just to wrap things up, um, that's a great takeaway that that your golf game can travel. Your golf swing is, you know, your golf swing. It's it will or will and 
that's the part that's not consistent. But the attitude and all the things we've talked about today, those are the things that you can be consistent with. You know, it's our friend Doolin talks about state management. What are the things that you can directly influence and have control over? But one of them isn't your golf swing. Carl Morris, the mindfactor.net. Uh, all the information is there, workshops, personal training, certification, certificate whatever courses <laughs> certification <laughs> i'm like there's too many i can't read the word certification putting and yeah. coaching and so much more and uh thank you so much for uh, taking some time with us today and i just want before you take off i just want to say that um carl has a uh certification uh program carl say the official name when i'm done blabbering here but even if you don't intend to be a coach if you're a student of the game you want to learn more, particularly of the things that we talked about. Uh, that course is awesome, and it's priced very reasonably. It's the Mind Factor certification, Tim, with which you are a, a graduate. Aw. Cum laude or something. Wow. <laughs> I bet you he was top of the class because he's a super keener. He was. I was yeah, a I nerd. I know. If, lots of questions. I know if Tim and I took the course together, I'd be having to look at his notes. Tim, I didn't get that. What did you... I'm not letting you see, Howard. Uh, Carl, all the best to you, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks, fellas, for having me again. All right. Thanks, Carl. And leave meeting, my friend. Leave meeting. He's just going to go now. There he is. There he is. He knows how. To, all these people, they know now how to leave meetings. Yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to boot them out anymore. Here, you know, I got. A, I mentioned a couple times. I, I have a new computer that I'm using for the Humble and Fred show, and I, I'm of course using it today to record Swing Thoughts. But now I can do this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You got the virtual thing going. Oh, and it happens to be you holding the trophy. Yeah, for the, whatever. Like Karen Men's Invitational. Whatever. Hey, I meant to uh, congratulate the, so that Carl could congratulate you, too. No, he said uh, when you went off to get your coffee before we started taping, he said, oh, he said, I understand you've been in some good form lately. I said, yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah, I sent my note on that. Yeah, not bad. Uh, let me get rid of that. Um, Yeah, so... Where do I tell All I can tell you is this. As I mentioned, all the people I've taken lessons from, all the hours I've spent, you know, with my back up against, uh, uh, braced up against a garbage can trying to learn how to swing better. And, and in the last couple of years, you know, like, you know, very frustrated and, and why can't I get better? And what's, what's, you know, no one could try more. I practice and all this other junk. And, uh, <laughs> And I, you know, I've talked to you about my man, Henrik, and Henrik is the one. He told me this four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, one year ago. He goes, you you are good enough right now to shoot all the scores you need to shoot. You just have to approach the game differently. I, didn't, I don't need to acquire. And, and, I, and by the way, this is not just for me. I had the same conversation with my older brother, David. I had it with you. I told you the story. My brother, David, called me three weeks ago. He goes, I got to overhaul my whole swing. I go, you're 68 years old. You're not overhauling anything. <laughs> and and we just, he and I just talked a little bit about what you and I talked about, planning a little bit better, maybe not trying to hit driver on every hole, etc. And he shot 102, and then a few weeks later, he shot 88. And he sent me a note this week. He goes, I just shot 41 on nine holes with a triple. 
And I was like, wow. wow. And, and of course, I call him up to congratulate him. I have him walk me through the triple. And it's always the same thing. In the trees, back across the fairway and more trees. Skip it out. Back of the green. You know, over the green, on the green. Three putts, seven. And, and the reason I bring that up, and not to embarrass him, because that is the archetypal thing that happens to all of us. It's not, you're not good enough. It's that in that moment, are you aware of what the golf course is asking you? Because it's just asking you to get it back in play. And it's, by the way, the the whole David made a triple on was like a 370-yard par four. I said, number one, you don't need to hit a driver on that hole. You know, hit your hybrid. Hit something, a hundred, couple hundred yards. But all he had to do was get it on in three and two putt five, and now he shoots 39. And the, the, the moral of the story is better scores are not a result of hitting more golf balls. Because if they were, I'd be a plus five. Because I've, I've hit more than any amateur. I'm not bragging. You know this is true. I've hit more golf balls uh, than anyone I know. And, a, and a, a guy I know once sort of was said sort of a sideways shot at me. He goes, man, you should be a lot better than you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm I, like, I should. Ben Kern said that to me years ago. Like, I remember about 20 years ago uh, at the time. He says, what's your handicap? I said eight. He says, you should be better than that. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. But it was it was pointing out that my approach to the game was, in fact, harming me. And the point I was making with Carl about elite players professional play a different game because they do bring a different attitude and and it's not live or die and it's it's more that they just come to the golf course with what they have and they play the game they play the game of golf which is hitting shots responding to what the golf course gives you all of that as opposed to trying to make this perfect golf swing and that's just that, that's like putting handcuffs on well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned it with Carl. Uh, what, what's been responsible for me in my better play last year and this year? Because last year I, I, I had really good results in big tournaments, but I also had some big numbers in those tournaments. I had a quad, a couple of triples, a bunch of doubles. And those holes that I'm describing where I had big numbers were as a result of poor, you know, poor uh, planning. I wasn't responding to what the golf course was asking. I was trying to hit a shot, mainly with this golf move I was working on, and, and it always comes up to bite you. Because the last month or so, my handicap is dropping, not because I'm hitting it better. I hit it, I hit it fine. It's that my misses have never been better than they are now. Never, never better misses. Like, they're landing in okay spots. They're You're okay. Fine. You know, um... Yes, I hit a few good, like everyone else, like you and, and anybody listening. I have a couple of shots around, just a couple, that are like, oh, that was really good. Like he described McElroy hitting a three iron on the last hole, whatever. I have a few of those. But what I've really eliminated is the the nines and the sevens. And just hit a, I just hit kind of an array of decent shots. Not outstanding. Yeah, I hit that a little skinny, but oh, I'm on the fairway. Or I'm just in the rough. Whereas before, my bad shots were always catastrophic. Absolutely. Well, it's so interesting is that this 
parallelizes parallels what's been going on for me lately because you know we've been working on the same things so i played a match uh, a couple days ago this guy he's 29 uh Tall, thin, played on the played on a university golf team. Uh, really strong and young man. I mean, he was hitting it like you could put a strip ball <laughs> his, his drive in mine. Yeah, I know uh, the number type. Si- number six at Blue Springs, which I think is three sixty or so. Dude, he drove it over the green. Wow, over the green. Anyways, I took him to the seventeenth hole. Sixty-three year old guy yeah. who's getting out driving every hole. Because I never took myself out of play on any golf hole. Whereas he, I mean, you know, he's a young guy. He hits it forever. A couple, you know, a swing, he's done. You know, and he was just taking lines. And every once in a while, he shot at a couple back pins. And, like, he's just out of the hole. Well, as your spiritual leader, I know you say say we've been working on the same things. But, you know... Here's the thing. Two weeks ago, you were still working on your ro- your torso rotation, which, by the way, so terrible. And, no, and, like and, <laughs> no, and by the way, I get it because all of us can be sucked in. Like when I hear oh, somebody, yes. it, when, when I first heard you say that, I was like, part of me is like, I wonder if I should be doing that, too. You know, we all we all want. Totally. We all totally. think our friends are. Oh, I'm working with the neck. What's he got you doing? Is it? But I can tell you. From having worked on this now for some years, that it's just starting to make sense to me. It's just now, I'm just now, like what Carl said about holes that are a little bit, you know, maybe not your favorite look. You know, I have developed this shot where on the holes that I find a bit don't fit my eye or I'm uncomfortable on the tee, I just bunt it out there in a way that just allows me to keep on playing. And uh, I will tell you, like, that it's very easy. It's intoxicating to be drawn away from this path that you're now on. But I promise you, your handicap will drop like a stone. Totally, totally get it. But, it, God, it's just unbelievable the draw that this has. Like, you, you come on something on YouTube or Instagram, and you oh, what's up? Next you just kind of like... You're drawing <laughs> no, I know. thing. It's like Alice in Wonderland or something. Do you ever do this, Tim? Sometimes I'll be watching something on Instagram. My whole Instagram is golf stuff, and I'll start watching, and I go, I have to turn it off because I know I would sign up for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all want we all want to get better. I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you want to get better, and, 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 and that's great. I can just tell you from uh, someone that's tried so hard that other oh route. That Me it, too, man. I mean, yeah, but both of us. Also, a total golf obsessive, thinking that if I match this model and I do this right, yeah. uh, I will have the keys to Nirvana dropped in my lap. I mean, I've written quickly. I've written. You've written two, books. Two instruction books. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, the one was on Ben Hogan's golf swing. I mean, just do like Hogan. I mean, he was the best ever. Yeah. I'll be perfect. Or then, oh, if I just do what Mo Norman did, because I wrote the single playing golf swing book. Which, by the way, 
two weeks ago was the number one selling no, health instruction book on Amazon. Yes, you told yes, us. I'm boasting. No, you told us though. This is now. I, I tell everyone, but it, now, now it's into boasting though instead of just a data point. Okay, uh, but you. But the point you're making is an yes, apt exactly. one. You, you couldn't have. Wait, listen, two guys have. Uh, you know, my buddy Paul always makes fun of me because you know somebody once saw me at Glen Abbey and I was I was trying to work on something and I had my ass up against an old garbage can trying to keep myself stable and then they never let me forget it. Uh, before <laughs> I'll tell you what. Before we leave the radio here, I'll just give you the three minute version of. Um, what happened on Monday. So Monday, I, I won the club championship a couple weeks ago. That's great. And I wasn't, like, I'm not downplaying it. But the guys I beat on Monday, that's the deepest field of golfers I've ever, you know, beaten. I mean, the guys, the names I could say are some of the top amateurs in Ontario, both young and old. But the senior guys, there was 50 of them, including guys that have won the Ontario Amateur, won Canadian Amateurs, really good golfers. And it was a tough day. And the guy I played with won the 2019 Senior Amateur. And uh, so winning that tournament was cool for me for a lot of reasons. But this is the story. I want to tell you about the about what we've learned on this show that helped me because I double bogeyed the first hole I played and then the next hole was one of those holes that Carl's talking about very difficult hole 452 yard par 4 if you cut the dog leg you could have an 8 iron in but I went a little bit to the right hit a good shot but it was in a safe area I had 200 yards to the green and I it was a back pin and I thought you know what I don't want to create any chaos now. So all I did was try and hit it to the front of the green. And I didn't hit a very good shot. But I was trying to hit the front of the green. So my not very good shot was just short of the front of the green. I pitched it up. It was a tough pitch over a bunch of windy parts of the green. But I only hit it to 10 feet. I didn't try and get too cute. I had a soft bogey. And now I'm three over after two holes. But the point about that bogey is I was playing the course in that moment. I wasn't going... Damn it, I've already made a double. I gotta get a birdie on this hole. I was like, just let's just play this hole. And uh, I was three over after two. And when I finished a uh, 27 holes, I was four over. My, the point being is that that bogey was the right bogey to make in that time. If I had been how I used to play, I would have gone for the pin and I tried to hit some shot from 205 yards and I'm, you know, maybe once in a while I could pull off, but I just made it so that the worst I was going to do was make a bogey, maybe a par, but I wasn't going to make another double bogey. And that's kind of how I played the whole day. Made lots of good shots, lots of okay shots. And eventually I started to make some birdies and that was kind of it, you know. I got the golf to the, is so less stressful. Way less stressful. Uh, okay, so I, we have to continue this briefly on our podcast. Extra Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, let's uh, go there with some regularity. Uh, Tim can coach you uh, both mentally. He, he leads webinars, and he's a hell of a guy. Uh, we're going to wrap this up just quickly at Swing Thoughts. Uh, downloaded from iTunes. And, of course, the Humble and Fred Show. We'll see you next week. Check out Guitar George. He knows all the chords But it's strictly rhythm He doesn't want to make it cry all soon Alright, we're still recording uh, Because I wanted to wrap this up with you So, so that was cool 
Uh, the guy that I played with, <clears throat> really, really good player. And I and I and, and I'm going to tell you, there was five or six players in that field. Lars Melander, you know, top five guy. Larry Cooper, Chris Kurtzos, and all these guys that I was very intimidated by. Even though I've been playing against them for a long time, thinking, oh, you know, I could never do what they do because my golf swing isn't good enough. And um, I played with the uh, 2019 Senior Ontario Amateur Champion, and uh, I was like, oh, he's just like me. He's not having... Some days, he doesn't have a very good day. He was great to play with, but our course is tough if you don't know it. And uh, I beat him by a lot of shots because, you know, he he's like anyone else. The, the week he won the amateur, he had a good week. You know, it's, it's not like he plays great all the time. Nobody does. Oh, so cool, hold on, I got the uh, thing on. What was that, Timmy? I was going to say, I'm just really proud of you. And it's so cool that... Um, we're kind of on this uh, parallel journey, and one of the cool things about doing a podcast is we can kind of we can arrange to have guests who can talk about stuff that we're interested in and following. Yeah. So what I'm connecting with is like last week, Joe Shushat, who said something really interesting in in when I was listening to the podcast this week, and he talked about so many golfers, and you and I both were on that trajectory of trying to hit perfect shots, that the game is about hitting it pure and all of that. And he says, you'll score much better if you allow yourself to say clunk it (laughs) into the middle of a green, as opposed to hit this pure shot that's dead on the flag. And and that's, that's playing within yourself. That's allowing... To have it's playing to what Carl said. Your tendencies. If you got the fade, if you got the fade going that day, well, you let that fade into the middle of the green. Well, here's the level that you know. I, I yes, is I agree with you. But I, you know, it's not. It's not just about you know. All what you said is true, but it's like having a good plan and hitting a having hitting a bad shot with a good plan is better than puring it with no plan. Right. Because every once in a while it'll work out. But I'm going to tell you, okay, so I'm going along. I, I was three over after two. I made one other bogey on the front nine. So I finished my, it's 27 holes. So I finished my first nine holes with the, with four over par. But on five of the six holes on that front nine, I had looks at birdie. And, and they were just missing. And I kept saying to myself, I go, wow, this is crazy. I said, you're, I started joking with myself. I'm like, you're putting pretty good for someone that hasn't made anything. But I was sort of like, it's just coming. I could feel it. I, I was close. I hit a bunch of shots, six, eight, ten feet. Could have gone in. They were all around the hole. And then I played the next nine, which statistically that day, that was the one across the street, the one that you and I played. Very windy. It's the toughest nine that we played that day. And I was one under on that nine. So I finished mm. that nine. And I'm like, okay, I'm three over for the round. Let's keep on playing. And on the next nine, I make some more birdies. And so... I'm just kind of plodding along, and I'm one of the last groups, the second last group on the golf course. And because of COVID, we're entering the scores digitally on Golf Genius. And as I enter the scores, I could also see that there was a leaderboard that I could have that I could have looked at. And a couple times toward the end, I was like, I was like, should I look at that? I was going to ask about that. Should I look at that? And. Uh, 
I said no. Let's. I kept saying, don't worry about it. Just play the next shot. And and listen, I've had recent experience of doing well in big tournaments, not just the club championship. So I know what it feels like in my body when I get excited. I was excited with three or four holes to go. I'm like, I know what kind of day it is. I know yes. how many over par I am. I'm probably doing okay. And I, I was having this conversation with Doolin yesterday because he found out. He called me. And I said, here's what I thought. I go, that's an interesting thought, Howard. Now, what's the next shot you have to hit? 100%, man. And I just kept saying that. And I thought, what? I, even one point I was waiting to somebody to putt out. And I was like, oh, this would be cool to win this. And then I thought, that's a good thought, Howard, but what's the next shot you have to hit? And so I'm coming down. This is the, the connecting what you were talking about, hitting clunky shots. So the last hole I play is a downwind par five, and I kill my drive. I've got 205 to the green, to the flag, 195-ish to the front of the green, and it's downwind. And I could easily fly my five iron, you know, easily get it on the green. But there's trouble right, there's a burn right, there's water, and there's chaos and hay. So I aimed so far left of that green that I was going to never do anything but be left of that green. And if it happened to fade and, and, you know, roll up to it, the front of the green, good for me. But I hit it so, I was so nervous because yeah. I, I was over the ball and I'm like, I have a good plan. I have a good plan. But I made a quick swing. I smother hooked it way left or not left where I, I smother hooked it basically in line with where I was aiming, but it didn't cut. It just hooked. So now I'm in a bunker. 35 yards from the hole but where I wasn't was in the water in the hay and I have I have a shot from 35 yards I just hit, I, I didn't hit up I didn't hit a bunker shot I hit a oh no I'm sorry I didn't pick it I hit a good hard you know 54 degree sand shot it came out on the green 30 feet or 20 feet from the flag a soft two putt and I won but where I wasn't going to be my point being is I didn't hit the shot that I wanted, but because I was aiming in the right spot, it left me in a place that I could play golf from. Yeah, it would have been better if it wasn't in the bunker, but I have that shot. I know how to hit that shot. And so it allowed me to continue to play. Whereas I think before what I would have thought because of my ego is, well, it's downwind. You have to go after the green because that's what the golf course, you know, that's what you're supposed to do because I'm a good golfer. But I, I, I specifically made it so that the worst I was going to do is hit it in that bunker. Again, you take, that just lowers your stress. You still hit, I mean, you think of it too. Think of how much more stress you would have had. Yeah. You know, you're trying to hit a shot in your subconscious, whatever. You're trying to keep the thought away. Hey, I could win this thing. Yeah. How much more? And so, if you're taking dead aim at the at the flag with with the hay and the and the water as a possibility, how much more stressful that swing would have been? Oh yeah, but you lowered it by by taking the the trouble in essence out of play, and so you hit a crappy shot and you're still alive, man. There's just so much to speak to that. Well, it, I mean, I hit a I hit a good shitty one. Is what I did. Yes, exactly. I had a very good shitty shot because, you know, it, 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 when I say I smother hooked it, like it, I was aiming down the left to cut it and I aimed it down the left and it hooked and I knew I was in that bunker, but I'm like, that's fine. I know where, and the funny thing is I didn't know then I was winning, but I could see guys gathering up on the hill. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. something's going on. Yep. And, um, 
and then it was over. And uh, I got to tell you, it's like, I, I find, again, I, I'm not downplaying the club championship, but these are the best beat guys. A good field. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've never beat a field like that. It was crazy. Yeah, well, so much great learning, and, and that'll do you in such good stead um, if and when you're playing in uh, provincial or national championships later this year. Um, what I wanted to just connect back to was the fact that, yeah, you knew you had a good round going. Yes. And it, it occurred to you, oh, I could win this. And that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with is like, what do I do with these thoughts that keep coming up? And you've been playing golf at a high level for a long time. So you knew that, okay, like it's it's perfectly normal to have those thoughts. People that's right. think that, oh, if I start to think about my acceptance speech or whatever, <laughs> that's, that's right. a bad thing. Well, that's totally normal. That's the way our brains work. They're always just trying to keep us alive and, and, and envisioning what could happen to us. But you had the presence of mind to go, okay, that thought does not serve me in this moment. So I can just park that and come back to the task at hand hitting the shot, fully immersing yourself in that process. And that's what really good players are able to do. You're able to have the thought, ooh, exciting, mm-hmm. blah, 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 but come back to, in essence, be in your process. Well, it was, uh, thank you, and it was, uh, yeah, it was um, very satisfying to know that, you know, it's like my buddy Henrik says, you know, you, you won even though you spotted the field three shots. And I was like, well, you know, I and I didn't. Yeah. I, I, I just know now that, you know, I, I won't beat myself, even though I made a double on the first hole. It doesn't matter how. I just mostly don't go around putting my, like last night we played men's night. You know, we only got 14 holes in, but I left the golf course one under par. Now, I had a couple really good shots. I had a couple that were not very good, but my not very good ones were just in places I could play from. And I made a few, you know, my point is like it was my my golf experience has become a little less stressful because I'm not trying to do this thing that I've been working on all week and it's not working and why can't I get better? I'm, You know, and again, I go to draw a seven iron. It doesn't always work. But because I'm aiming so far right of where most people would be that if it doesn't work, it's still fine. Exactly. Findable. That's, it's that's fine and it's findable. And if you're, yep. if you miss right, you've got all the green left. Whereas before I would try and draw a shot just right of the flag, pull hook it. Now I got to short side myself and on and on. And at every level of people listening, that is available to you. Absolutely. Well, you just think about Tiger Woods for gosh sakes. Yes. Yes. I'm putting the GSL and Tiger in the same sentence. Um, he bogeyed the final hole to win his last Masters. Yeah. He hit an approach shot that would leave him just a, 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 a nice little pitch or chip, whatever. Got it to the middle of the green. Two-putted. Thank you. Welcome, Green Jacket. Um, if you want something interesting to look at on YouTube, I watched the uh, final round of the uh, 2020 Memorial. It was just, it's 19 minutes. It's Tiger Woods' final round, watching him shoot 76. It's very interesting. Mm. Just interesting to see at, at, at the highest level the mistakes even those guys can make 
You know, it's just it's it's just interesting and an insight to watch a guy not have a good day but still manage himself. He basically shot par that day. The stroke average was seventy six. Right. So you get to see him kind of maneuver himself around on a very difficult day. And I, I just thought it was interesting for our swing thoughts guys. Uh, dude, I got to run. I got a client. Um, I got to take golfing here in an hour. Uh, thanks oh, for listening. Um, I'll uh, get all this production done later. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, great show. Always good to have Carl. Good to see you. And uh, congratulations once again, man. Thanks, that, Carl. Uh, I was so jazzed to, <laughs> to hear you win that. That was absolutely fabulous. Well, now next weekend is the regular club championship, so I'm going for the Glen Karen Slam. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I have a chance, but why not? Is it the Slam or is it the Triple Crown? Or oh, the Triple Crown will work, too. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. Cheers. Thanks, Timmy. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.